This is Werewolf the Podcast, a podcast about the role-playing game, Werewolf the Apocalypse. D20 Radio, your gamer's role. Have you heard of high-level games? If you're a content creator looking to make your dream a reality, you need high-level games. High-level games does layout, editing, and development support such as Kickstarter and more. Even if you're not a creator and just want to enhance your game with exciting new supplements, go to highlevelgames.ca and check out Dark New England for V20. High-level games. We want to help you level up your role-playing game. Highlevelgames.ca Last time on A World of Rage, the pack were on an umbral quest, following the trail of a great spirit through the forest. The group had to work their way across a ravine that the great spirit cleared in a single bound. Initially planning to fell a mighty oak to span the gap, Speaks with Wind brokered a bargain to spread the oak spirit's acorns throughout the world. But some quick thinking by TJ pointed out that just taking a few branches would suffice to make a bridge. Taking the branches, the pack successfully crossed the ravine, but they each took a few acorns as thanks for its help, promising to uphold their bargain, which earned them the oak spirit's blessing. The pack followed the trail to its end, finding the great boar impatiently waiting for them, with an urgent quest that it demanded they undertake to gain boar's patronage, to find the lost sword of Brazen Tusk, and with that mighty artifact, restore its lost children, the Grander. The pack agreed to the quest and to the demand from Boar to do nothing to harm his children. And so, Boar became their pack's patron. The pack began making preparations for their quest. Welcome to another episode of uh, World of Rage. I am the storyteller, Josh Heath, and I am excited to pick up where we left our game. We've got some out-of-game moments that have occurred. I'm going to kind of give a brief overview of those in a moment but for now i would like our players to introduce themselves and their character just so you know who we are because we had that whole last session where we didn't do that uh, and it might be helpful for you to know who the player is and who their character is so let's start with dove can you just say a little bit about you and your character hello i'm harry i play dove sunseed sword corax who is a proud member of the hermetic order of swift lights I like to take the experiences that I've learned in my life, both in the work that I do, working with the impoverished and the homeless, as well as my religious and spiritual life. And I like to invoke that in my role play. And so even though a Corax tends to be very ragabashy, you'll find I sometimes lean heavily in the theurge direction with all my religious and spiritual invocations and whatnot. And I look forward to being of service and having a wonderful time. And Michael? Uh, my name is Blake. I'm playing Alexander Monasarios, a Philodox children of Gaia. He is a tribal idealist. He believes in peaceful tenets through unfortunate action. He is a in recovery and learning how to cope with the things in his recent past. And he is enjoying spending time with his new trap. Jim. Hi, I'm Jim Dealey. I have been playing Werewolf for nearly 20 years, and this has been some great fun role-playing so far. I am playing Edward Sterling, born on two legs under the Galliard's moon to the tribe of Falcon, the House of Wormfoe, and the family Wormslayer. He is a young and idealistic man 
who has a lot in common with Alexander in that he is a tribal idealist of his own tribe. He believes that the Silver Fangs are meant to provide the leadership the other tribes expect of them. And then they can expect the other tribes to maybe defer to them if they've lived up to their role. And I am really enjoying the quality RP we do. The character and I both tend to be long-winded, so please feel free to interject when you have something to say. Neither Edward nor I will take offense. Matt, go ahead. I'm Matt. I'm playing Speaks with Wind. He spends time feeding the homeless through gardens that he sets up in urban areas. He's Bonar Theurge. John? I'm JD. I'm playing Zachary Garcia who is a Fianna Arun, while not in any of the Fianna camps right now, does hopefully one day intend to join the Brotherhood of Hearn, and in his human life away from the Sept and Pack, he is a military academy upperclassman in uh, the United States Army. Zach. I'm Zachary, he, him. I'm playing Thomas Johnson, also known as TJ, also he, him. The Hamid Ragabash, who does not know his tribe. He's been a werewolf for about a month at this point. And so uh, he's been a werewolf about as long as I've been playing the game. Awesome. I want to just say that I appreciate everyone playing this game. I think all of your characters are awesome. And there's been some great role play between sessions. There's been about two weeks that we decided between the end of last session when Boar decided to become your patron to your pack, and now. The pack has been involved in quite a lot of activity, uh, and I'm going to try and briefly summarize a couple of key points. The pack has been training with one another to learn a particular harrying tactic, which they are going to hopefully put into use at some point, and the pack has been working to gain some knowledge from the sept of the forgotten that they are in, and the pack has been working to create talons, particularly Gaia's Breath talons, to be able to use those when needed for, to add some extra healing. So that's going to be, an, hopefully, an extreme benefit to the pack at one point or another. There's been some off-screen interaction for folks that are interested in that. The players have done most of that in chat, and maybe we'll save some of those chats for people to view down the road. We might not also, but if that's something you're interested in, let us know and we'll look into it. For now, where we will start is the pack has just finished the big talent creating ritual and you are left without a lot of gnosis and are feeling kind of drained of energy and the idea of going on a hunt, a spirit hunt comes up and the pack has done so successfully having chased down a stag angling that you have all hunted down successfully together and are now having eaten, resting in the post-hunt kind of camaraderie exhaustion moment. You are sitting around a campfire. For those of you that would prefer roasted meat, for those of you that do not, you are eating it raw. And that is where the pack is, just outside of the sept area, sitting around this fire, talking with one another. Edward is passing around several of the carved gourds that we finished off with making sure everyone has at least two and the dove is getting the rest. Edward brought the gourds and carved them before the ritual. Alexander gave the shimonage to unicorn that empowered them. Beaks with the wind called forth the unicorn spirit and dove performed the binding. This was really a team effort by the pack to create these talons. And so Edward is sharing the results around. Oh, by the way, speaks. 
I gave a lot of thought to what you'd asked, and the litany does not at any point mention the Grandar. Gave my memories a good thorough working over, but the litany doesn't mention the Grandar anywhere. Well, thank you for your time, Edward. Well, uh, while this is going on, I'm shy and everyone kind of uh, confused why the Philodox wasn't brought into the conversation about the litany. I uh, go over to the kill, take the eyes out and throw them over to Dove. Let's say, here you go. Thanks for your help. Dove, he's in his human form and he looks a little bit like a, a cross between Adrian Brody and Ben Shapiro. He's sort of standing by with his denim jacket. You see a couple of little pins on there. You can tell if you're familiar with literary works that he's a big fan of The Stand and Stephen King, which makes you wonder, why the hell is he dressed like Randall Flagg? doesn't make any sense. And he's catching the eyes out of the air, and he's looking at them, and he looks over, and he's he has this sort of this grin on his face, like, I don't eat these as snacks, you know. It's This is a, a thing that we do to give thanks to the spirits to give thanks to the fallen but um and he slowly holds one up looking at it in his hand long slender fingers sort of holding it like a like a proper utensil and then as to be expected he just goes and pops it in his mouth <laughs> enjoying the the treat and he bows his head thankfully well i appreciate that and i'll uh, do better in the future do you want some meat do you want anything i can help you with i'll, I'll take a little bit of the cheek Hey, uh, you know what? You know, I'll take care of you. Thank you. I just you. go over to the kill, take my knife out, cut a little bit up, hand it to him. He happily takes the bit of cheek, bowing his head again before he starts to peck away at it. Even though he's in his human form, the movements of his face, the way he nibbles at it, it's very reminiscent of the motions of a bird pecking away at a bit of meat. So it was a good is, run, Zach. How does how is TJ really feeling well. right now? TJ is watching this and just kind of in awe about people eating raw meat um, as he may make a crack about, uh, you know, I mean, I joke about, you know, at a steakhouse getting it raw, you know, just you know, still mooing, but it's just a joke. Korak sort of waves a bit of meat at uh, TJ going, what, you're not hungry? You know, you can cook it and it brings out the flavor. The, the flavor's right here. It's delicious. Why cook it when all that flavor will go up in the air when it's all concentrated here? Then he walks on over and he tries to put it in TJ's mouth. Have you ever, you know, tried to eat it vaguely cooked properly? Who, me? Yeah. Oh, of course. It's okay. It's good. But, you know, I like things raw. I like them natural i can't help but wonder maybe a little bit more of r r raven got into me oh bear in mind each to their own the only people that are completely wrong in this world are people like a well-known state I, I, that is true they are garbage people we, know, we want nothing to do with them well oh you know goodness. um you know tj it's it's okay i mean we can cook some with you i don't mind yeah sure I'll take care of it. we got a spit let's put it on the fire so tj so, you've been a little quiet got any, got any thoughts to share with us I, I, I really have no clue, like, what the uh, all of this was. Um, it's it, uh, What am I doing with the... Uh, yeah, I know you said, but it's like, it's a gourd. Okay, so what you just witnessed was called the Rite of Binding. And there was another rite involved that both Dove and Speaks did for us called the Rite of Summoning. We called up but the rite of summoning calls forth a spirit 
we need a spirit to bind into the talents. We called up the spirit of unicorn. Alexander offered it Shimonaj, which it graciously accepted. And then it agreed to empower these talons, which are, for lack of a better word, magic items. The spirit lives in these until used. To use this talon, crush it, and spread the dust over a wound. The wound will be healed, and the spirit will be released because the spirit has done the duty it's promised us. This has to do with the pact, which again, Speaks can explain better than I can. But in so doing, we have gained the power of Unicorn and their healing gifts to help us in time of need. If we're in the middle of an intense fight and we're badly injured and one of our healers can't get to us quick enough, we can crush the talon in our hand and apply it to the injury. And that will help us. Basically, buddy, it's, it's, it's the world's best band-aid. So it's a shot of morphine. Oh, got it. Okay. Better than that, it actually heals the injury rather than make the pain go away. Never seen one used, but my cousin Katarina told me how to make them. And Dove and Speaks were kind enough to help us get the spirit here to help bind it. And all of us work together on the actual rite of binding. The rite of binding is what temporarily puts the spirit into the object. It's temporary. It'll last until the spirit's gift is used. At that point, the spirit is free. That's part of the terms of the deal. So the spirits help us and we help them. In this case, we offered it Gnosis and we offered it gifts that Alexander brought and it accepted. Dove is sort of just chewing on the meat as he's listening to this. And he's just sort of smiling wider and wider and wider. And for a moment there, you think he's going to end up doing the chicken dance as his elbows start to do a little flappy motion from how good he is hearing this description. And he's just nodding. Yes, that's right. That's right. That's right. And if you think about it, we're part spirit. And we just did a binding with the spirit, the Shimonage. It's like your cousin is here to help you in material form. And he holds up a little baggie made of a leaf. And then he tosses it to TJ. Don't drop that. Yes, we made those first. The, the talon that Dove knew about. You called it a ditchu? Ditchu. Mm. We called it a ditchu. You guys can call it a sneeze. This is a Korax favorite. We're not, you know fighty types like you guys are we got to get out of scraps you see so we made this it's nice you just find a bad guy blow it in his face they don't know what to do and you get the heck out of there or for you guys you clobber him and then what dove does is he sort of puts up his fingers and goes ah like he's clawing at the air and dove made enough of them for everybody to have two of those too so we at least have two options for using spirit gifts that we don't necessarily have ourselves so this one can be used for the if we if we get the the, the boar's people the and so because we're not supposed to harm them we can that's right blow this in them did we get them distracted long enough for us to maybe tie them down and then apply the sort of brazen tusk to them you know assuming that you know eventually does actually get found Bear in mind that if you've lost if you've lost something for that long, and no one's found it, well, either someone's found it and we need to take it off that someone, or it's gonna be long lost. And long lost in this place can mean long lost anywhere. Now, I'll defer to speaks with wind about, you know, where in the umbra it might be, but umbra's a damn fight big place. Could be literally anywhere. I've been trying to to get answers about this. The spirits here say that we should speak to a spirit called the memory. 
And I talked to Winslow about that. And he said the whole pack needs to go for that. So when we're ready, we should go have a chat with the spirit called the memory. I keep asking Maria to let me know what she knows about the Grandard from the War of Rage. And she's not exactly been forthcoming about that. I had another thought that we should try contacting our ancestors who may have encountered the Grandard. And maybe they can help us understand what we need to know about them or what we need to do to find them or the bra- or the Sword of Brazen Tusk. I suggested that perhaps we could actually summon Brazen Tusk's spirit if Brazen Tusk's ancestor spirit exists and ask Brazen Tusk themselves. But Speaks thought that was not a good idea. And so I think, so I'm going to defer to the wisdom of our theurge on that one. No, I agree with Speaks. That might be a double-edged sword. With all the trauma that these spirits have suffered, we don't really know what status they're in, and, and Boar might not like that overly too much. I don't know. So I, I agree. We need to speak with memory. But before that, uh, TJ, I know that this whole month that you've uh, had your change has been the biggest culture shock you can ever achieve. I just wanted to check in and say, how are you feeling? I mean, I'm alive. Uh, I'm still here, so we got that going for us. Um, I don't necessarily understand all of it, but I, I guess at some point there's things that I'm not necessarily always meant to understand. That's so. part of the uh, whole part of the struggle, honestly. Of those of us who have guys' blessings, sometimes we go through our entire lives not understanding. But honestly. You did really great on the hunt. You did really great finding that solution to move the tree. So you're having a smoother transition than most of us. And honestly, that's that's great. And remember, we're all here to help you out. Is there anything that we can answer for you while we're waiting on the deer to cook? Any questions you're confused about? Um, so, I mean, I think uh, uh, most of it was um, kind of you know, understandable. Um, I, I, the, I, the tribes, so the, the others at the, uh, back at camp have, you know, told me about their tribes, uh, but there's some other tribes I haven't heard about yet. Um, then they don't really, especially that wolf dude, he, he's not much of a talker. Um, the red talons. Yeah. Don't. Uh, I don't, I'm a child of Gaia. I don't like to speak ill of anybody unless they deserve it, especially as anything as generalized as a tribe. But don't piss them off. Give them a white berth and show deference. And if they're hungry and you have something, just give it to them. But avoid if you can. They're very angry and they have a right to be. But their only outlet for that anger is violence. Uh, my I've. I've had many tribes, uh, many uh, many a Red Talon come to my grandmother's caring for healing. And I'm not one for lost causes. They are not, but they are dangerous. They're single-minded. They're smarter than you think, but it is one one direction. And you do not want to be in that path. So give them wide berth, kid. So this is going to seem like just a, a very strange thing to say, but I completely agree with with what Alexander has said, but I disagree very slightly as well. Everything Alexander said, 100% right. But maybe there are things that we don't know that they know and cause them to act that way. You've got, the problem is that 
everyone keeps secrets. Everyone. There's not anyone that doesn't. And I'm sure that not wanting to defame our Galliard in any way, the Shadow Lords and, you know, the, the Silent Striders are well known for keeping secrets from others. And that's, that doesn't in any way mean that Edward will. You know, you've got to think that... I'm neither a Shadow Lord nor a Silent Strider, though. Silverfang. Oh, <laughs> okay, okay. Sorry. <laughs> but the, the, I think that, you know, the, the, the Silverfangs keep secrets because they know a lot. You know, they've been in positions of leadership and know where all the bodies are buried. But you've got tribes might be that way for a reason. And you've got to ask them. I don't disagree with anything that Alexander said. That is how uh, my experience with them has been as well. But what we have found out already, that things that have been done in the past or the way people have acted in the past can't be how people act now. So people need to either change or there needs to be a change brought on them. Because if they were going around killing all these, you know, children of the boar in the younger days, then we're not going to do that now. So I dare say the Fianna were part of that in the olden days. And I don't think that, you know, saying that, ah, well, the Fianna was there, you know, Zachary, well, he's going to be just the same. As Honors the Forest is saying this stuff, sort of sashays up to him and almost in the pantomime of a cartoon character, puts his elbow on the gentleman's shoulder and leans in, giving him a big thumbs up. You got it. You got it. Then he points to the others. There are no secrets. None. That is the Korax litany. We are the eyes of Gaia. And keeping secrets is what got you people in the trouble you're in now. All the things that have been going on is because everybody didn't want to give up their secrets. You have to be honest at the heart. He looks to Alex specifically, and then he puts his palms together, pointing to him. I know that feeling all too well. More questions and answers. It's the faith that keeps us going. We don't need to have all the answers. We just need to know what we're doing. And Alexander is just like, puts, looks at him like, I'm not trying to say that we're trying to get answers. I'm trying to make sure TJ doesn't do something stupid and get his guts ripped out. Nods his head and then gives him the double thumbs gesture. Now that, that's wisdom. Here's a question, Edward. Just a, a, a minor question. The, the tends to be, and I'm going to be very general, very, very general. There tends to be two types of galliards. Tends to be the ones that you know, do a lot of, you know, writing and talking, and it tends to be the ones that do an awful lot of singing. Are you one of the singing group, or are you one of the talking group? I think it's pretty obvious I'm one of the talking group. Um, I prefer to tell my stories the, the, without accompaniment, although I've always wanted to learn, to learn musical instruments. I just haven't had, the, haven't had the opportunity. It's not that I'm not musically inclined. I very much have an enjoyment of it, but I haven't really practiced telling stories with musical accompaniment yet. I know that there are some, there are some galliards who make a lot of mileage out of that though. And I'm impressed with the way they do things. Something I'll think about. 
so far the style that works for me is making akin to making a good argument. I'm going to present all the facts and let you let you guys come to your own conclusions about things. Two things I want to add about the question about the red talents. One is to some that TJ may not know, they don't have Hamid members. None. There are no Hamids among the bread talents, either because they don't take them or because they've never had them. So all of their kin are wolves. There are some who might argue this makes them unbalanced because they don't have a wolf side. But the arguments the Red Talons make is that the more urban tribes, the Glasswalkers, the Bone Nars, and to some degree, other tribes who like to spend time in cities have less wolf kin. And all of our tribes have problems with our lupus populations being threatened as the wolf populations are being threatened. So there's a lot more Hamid guru born than lupus guru these days. There just aren't as many of them. So the, the red talons feel like they're an endangered species. Something to keep in mind. The other thing about the red talons is, and this is something I heard from my grandfather, the red talons have a reputation of being the prophets of the nation. A lot of the big prophecies that have been handed down over the centuries have started with the red talons. There was a group of prophecies around the turn of the 13th century that were handed down by a red talon. I know this because the Galliard at Arcept is a big fan of the stories of that time period called the shadow prophecies that some of them were fulfilled then. Some of them were fulfilled later. Some of them are still not fulfilled, but they were all handed down by our red talent who went to every sept in sung them before every guru and nobody listened. So when a red talent does speak, it might be well worth to listen. Are there other tribes you'd like to know about TJ? Oh, I mean, it's, you know, the ones that aren't here that um, can't speak for themselves. Haven't really. Um, I mean, I, I, have very little knowledge of the you know black furies who weren't here um uh older brother younger brother the silent striders that um someone met that uh, i believe it was uh zach mentioned um i've had the privilege of meeting a couple of those tribes the thing about my grandfather's sept is it's kind of become a crossroads for the east coast a lot of moon bridges connect there, and a lot of people go through it. So I've, I've met a couple of them. I spent a night drinking with a galliard of the Black Furies. She liked this drink called Uzo. Not a fan, but I learned some interesting things. The Black Furies' totem is Pegasus, and a lot of people think that the Black Furies have no male members because the Black Furies don't like men. That's not the case pegasus she said is the one who has the problem she said pegasus will not take any male who is intact i didn't want to inquire what she meant by that um but pegasus won't take any male guru who's intact and that's the rule of the totem not the tribe the black furies themselves are associated with wild places and the wild energies hereditarily i believe they're from greece the one i spoke with definitely was and they have something of a standing relationship with the children of god i think alexander 
Yes. Uh, no, they're they're often seen as cousins. I have many female cousins of mine dating back many generations who are Black Furious. They're a fun tribe. Great to drink with. And Uzo is not that bad. Kind of slightly agree with Alexander here that if you think Uzo is a strong drink, then you've not been drinking the right drinks. But uh, but no, back, back to it. Uh, so obviously, uh, Unicorn and Pegasus, they are related, both mythical creatures uh, generating from many different cultures. But this version that we're talking about, more of the Greco-Roman variety. But no, they are warrior women, very strong, very connected to the wild. Keep, keep your oaths with them. Plenty of my cousins would be very upset. But what a lot of people always forget when it comes to uh, my cousin tribe is that it's not about putting one gender above the other. So get that out of your head. It's about what they value and what they honor. And they keep many of their own truths to themselves. But they are, I've never seen anyone interact with the wild nearly as seamlessly and beautifully as them. Uh, if you ever get a chance to be invited to see any of their rituals, it's, it's beautiful and you will feel Gaia in every uh, heart step. But don't, like I said, don't break the promises with them. And treat treat your women, uh, treat, well, you should always treat women wonderfully, but don't, if don't ever do anything badly in front of them. Just don't. They protect everyone. That's not just us. It's not just Garu. That's not just kinfolk. That's every female. Okay. Uh, I don't think uh, you're the type of person to do anything wrong. I guess uh, uh, my line of questioning was is more as uh, I, I don't know what tribe I am. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I know there's tribes that, I, you know, I'm, from my understanding, I'm, I'm not a Red Talon and I'm not a Black Fury. Um, and younger brother and older brother seem unlikely. So that's four tribes that I know I'm not a member of or probably good chance that I'm not a member of. So there's the others that aren't in the circle now for that I don't know of. The... I, I, well, I, I think the question is that I don't know if purely stating the stereotypes of a tribe will be able to help you figure out what tribe you are. Because there's two points here. One, I think I'll I'll leave to speaks with Win to elaborate on because it's not my thing. Which is, you know, is it more is being in a tribe more spiritual or is it more what you were born into? And that's not me to even try and explain. But whenever we talk about a tribe, maybe with the exception of our own tribes, I think it's still only second-hand impressions what might be wise to go and do is on our travels is not to answer that question now it's to get you to meet some of them because getting to meet some of them and finding out how they act and how they answer the questions because we're taught that every single thing that we say is part of ourselves you know whenever i'm in front of a group of soldiers, they have to listen to what I say. You know, that's that's my job. And I might portray a different thing to them than I might portray to random people that we meet. I would go and I would I would talk to them, TJ. I think that 
No, you ask you ask me what a a black fury is like. I wouldn't be able to give anywhere near a good a good explanation like Alexander and Edward did. And I think that you might only, even with such good explanations, be only getting part of a story because that's a story that they tell to others. Dove is nodding his head as Zach is saying this. And somehow Zach's cowboy hat has somehow left his head and is sitting on Dove's head. And he's sort of adjusting the brim and trying it on, moving around from side to side before he picks it up, looks in, and then he sets it right back on Zach's head, just sort of smiling. No, he's absolutely right. You're only going to know if you find out yourself. Journey before destination. You're going to have all the secrets uncovered. You just got to be in the moment and go. But I will say, I will say you're doing your auspice proud asking questions. Well, knowing that you're only going to get secondhand answers from us, is there other tribes you want to know about anyway? I mean, sure, yeah. Um, it, it's a start, and maybe it's a, something that'll spark my interest in pursuing a particular tribe. Or, oh. But I, I do want to briefly speak to what Zach did say, and he's right about this, and Speaks can elaborate more thoroughly on the spiritual bonding of it. You aren't a part of a tribe until the totem accepts you as one of its children. And that usually comes after you complete your rite of passage. So you're not ready for your rite of passage yet. I think it's kind of part of our job to help you get ready for your rite of passage. So in, the, in this regard, I'm happy to teach you anything I know or share any insight I've got. Going alphabetically through the living tribes, Black Furies, Bone Nars, Children of Gaia, Fiona, get a Fenris. Oh, yes, get a Fenris. My grandfather has great friends with one of their elders. Their heritage is Nordic, and they take a lot of pride in that. If a Viking ever became a werewolf, well, actually, there were probably quite a few hundred Viking werewolves. That's kind of the mold in which this tribe is cast. They define themselves, all of them, as the penultimate warriors against the worm. And they are, at least the ones I've dealt with, they're aggressive, they're straightforward, they speak their minds, they mean what they say, and they have as rich and varied a lore as anybody, but they really put the emphasis on taking the fight to the enemy in a physical sense. And they pride themselves on being great warriors for Gaia. They pride themselves on being hard on themselves, on the enemy, and they hold themselves to high standards. They always want to be the first ones into the line of battle. At least the ones that I've met have, the Galliards I've met from them, they tell sagas like the old Norsemen do. And man, it's impressive to listen to. I was a guest at the Fenrir Sept of the Three Rivers when my grandfather went to visit his friend, the Alpha, over there. And I heard some stories. Oh, wow. It was a great time. So that's a, I, that's a really high-level overview of them. Their totem is, is the great Fenris wolf himself. He always wants to take the battle to the enemy with no quarter or mercy given. Jog my memory, guys. What's next after the get of Fenris? Um... You forgot your cousins who dwell in the cities. Glasswalkers. The Glasswalkers yes. are next. Yes, yes, the Glasswalkers. Okay. Um, 
in as much as Speaks with Wind said that the bone gnar is going to be found everywhere, but not uncommonly in the cities, you will almost exclusively find the glass walkers in the cities. They are very urban guru. They live in the cityscape is their hunting ground. And my grandfather's good friend and another Galliard is the leader of a glass walker sept that uh, is in, I believe it's Crystal City, something like that. Um, Anyway, they are technophiles. They love man's creations and they use the tools of the weaver to fight the worm. And the weaver worm wild thing is another story we haven't gotten into yet as a a discussion we haven't started yet. Um, But we'll need to explain that at some point. But yes, the glass walkers hunt the worms, minions in the city using the tools of the weaver to fight the worm. They're not strongly connected with their wolf side. A lot of people regard them as becoming badly unbalanced in that regard. But I'm sure that they have lupus kin still. And they may have and they're certainly going to have lupus guru among them still, I hope. Some tribes think that they spend too much time in the cities and could use to clear their heads with a little bit of air, but if you want to find your way around in a cityscape, a glass walker is the best friend you could ask for. Just be careful. Don't get too ensorcelled with their dependence on Mother Spider and her way of things. Sometimes the traditional ways are best, even if they need a little updating, but too much dependence on the webs... And the so Korax they're, just... so they're like Speaks tribe, but with gadgets. The Glasswalkers are very well to do, and us Bonars tend to survive off of our own metal. They're great for when your phone's broken, though. If you need money or some kind of gadget, they're good friends. Mother's spirits tend to not trust them as much as they used to. Doves sort of waddles his way on over towards TJ and puts his hand on his shoulder before leaning in all close, doing quite the same thing he had done with Zach, putting his elbow on the uh, young guru's shoulder and leans in. Remember what we were just talking about with the red talons, how, uh, you know, hyper-focused they were? Take that, flip it around. There you go. All right. All right. Do you have any uh, other questions, TJ? Because uh, we, we do have something else we need to talk about really quick. I guess we could do that before we get uh, right. I guess that's your thing's important. I always well, I no. have plenty of time to figure stuff out. <clears throat> well, no. So we need to start discussing about how exactly we need to think tactically when we're going after Boar's children, because we're not to hurt them, injure them in any way. So what are, you, uh, what are your thoughts on that? Because I don't know if any of you have ever tried to wrestle a pig. It's not easy. Because the fact that harming them is easy everything else is actually quite hard the the fact that with with the exception of the aerial support you have five boots on the ground the fact that you can swap in and out of having people doing the lot of the chasing and the hard work you can either direct them to a place where if you've had time to prepare that we can you know dig a trap and have them fall in it, or you make them worn out. That might take a little bit longer, but you know, considering the five of us and don't know how many of them, the trap is probably more likely, but the other way will work, it just takes longer. And bear in mind, it is only these four creatures that we have to do this on, or anyone that we want to not kill. But yeah, so we can 
exhaust them or we can prepare, dig a trap and then direct them into the, the trap that we've made because Boar said that we shouldn't harm them. I'm sure that you wouldn't mind a man a bit of bruising from a fall into a trap, hopefully. No, this is your area, so I just want to make sure that we're all clear, especially since TJ is still green. There's gifts that the spirits can teach us that help with combat. Can we learn from a spirit that teaches us safe com- safe fighting? Is that it? That sounds weird saying. Like, to fight without hurting? Is that something that we could do to prepare for this? Well, we could definitely learn restraints, which I believe Zach already has pretty much prepared, especially with the new talents that we have. Speaks, as far as spirit-wise on the uh, in the Umbra, do you have anything to add to this? I seem to remember that boar spirits are usually good at burrowing away, so a dug trap may not be the best choice. No, that's a very good point, actually. The fact that it's more likely some type of entangling trap is probably significantly more likely to work in the case of a burrowing creature. And we certainly know the boar likes to be digging things up. So no, that's a that's a good shout. If it's going to be a trap, then an entangling mesh into a tree is significantly more likely to hold it in place. Okay. Like a Texas pig trap. All right. Yeah. yeah. Makes perfect sense. Korok just sort of nodding his head as he's thinking... And in his head, the, the bird brain gears are twirling and little little uh, flugelrad wings are fluttering as he's considering a distinctive shape of some sort of a mesh trap. And he's just sort of smiling wider and wider. And he's looking over at the leftover leathers and bits of the spirit and considering what maybe he could start to put together before he looks over to Zach. You may be more familiar with uh, the sort of materials needed for putting together a harness or trap of that sort, what do you think we could use? Well, you could stitch a load of leather together. You could also use a load of rope. Rope's probably the single best thing because cutting through rope is actually a lot harder than cutting through some other things because rope is individual strands. And if if you're in a, a trap and you've been removed from the ground, actually cutting through one bit of one strand is going to take you quite a bit of time. So... You could certainly use some of the leather in order to create bindings to go onto the tree and some of the the springs, but rope is going to be better than absolutely anything you can trap anyone in. Corax is nodding, planning and thinking, coming up with a design in his mind as he wiggles his long fingertips against his chin. Hmm. So we should get a bunch of nets. Make them too. Edward carves off one of the haunches that's been roasting for a bit and offers it to TJ. See if that's a little bit more done for you. i just quietly chew on it and listen. Couldn't we create a talon snare trap or something? But we could. How would you go about devising such a thing, Speaks? Uh, find the appropriate spirit and see if they'd accept living in a rope for a little while. It's interesting that you say that. The moon has risen high in the sky as the night is going on. And you hear the hoot of an owl through the trees and like it hits your ears, which strikes a memory for Speaks that there is a specific gift called spirit snare that is taught by an owl spirit. And it's normally used for spirits, but it could be adjusted to be used with physical beings as well. 
I think we could use a spirit snare bound into a rope. What would we need for that? I'll see if I can find a scorpion spirit or an owl or um, maybe an antlion. Something that traps, you know, naturally. Okay. That's a good idea. I concur. We'll have to design an appropriate physical housing for it. Make a, perhaps the height of this angling spirit could be used to make a net. And we just have to appropriately prepare the vessel. Spirits like a well-decorated vessel. What glyphs would you put on this? Speaks? Uh, anything that they would appreciate. Shiny stuff, pretty stuff. I'm not really very crafty, but um, unless it's gardening related. And while I can certainly make a trap, making it pretty is a completely different thing. So I can build you, you know, any type of snare trap you want. But if someone's going to be making it pretty, it ain't going to be me. That seems like a galliard responsibility. I can decorate it. I've been... I'm happy to help out with that. Going to get a lot of practice in carving and crafting. If we're going to keep making these, he says, gesturing with the two gourds he's got attached to his belt. I definitely want to keep us in these. I'll happily work on the possibility. Uh, Speaks, do you need any help tracking that spirit, or are you okay on your own? I should be able to find one. There's plenty of spirits around here. And then, uh, no, I also spoke with a grander ancestor spirit last week sometime named Digs Deeply, and she seemed to indicate that Brazen Tusk was from Germany, or at least the region of Germania. I'm not really sure how long ago it was. She didn't have a lot of information. So Brazen Tusk was from ancient Europe. Sounds like a good place to start our search. That's mostly get a Fenris lands these days, although the Shadow Lords have a significant presence there as well. The Shadow Lords, TJ, for your reference, are Maria's tribe. I'm probably not the best person to ask about them because that's going to filter through the Silverfang Shadow Lord relationship, which has been at best contentious. I already spoke with her. I, 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 I kind of get their their thing. Yeah, better to hear from them. Although, whatever they tell you about my people, keep in mind that. Their tribe and our tribe have had a dispute that's run for millennia. I think that both sides have long since forgotten what it was originally about. And I don't know if it really has a point anymore, aside from being self-sustaining. My grandfather and his packmate, Christian, sacrificed the soul, got over that between themselves, and have encouraged others to do the same. It's a feud that I don't think serves a purpose anymore. So just be aware that whatever Maria says about the Silver Fangs, I'm going to do my best not to slander the Shadow Lords. The Shadow Lords, they get things done. They do have a reputation for using the enemy's tools to fight the enemy. And maybe they've cultivated that for a purpose. But they get things done. So we're going to Germany then? Is that what I'm getting from what Speak said? If that's where Diggs Deeply said that Brazen Tusk is from... I've arranged with Winslow to have a meeting with the memory before we head out. I think we ought to do that before we make any decision about where we're going to go directly because the memory might might remember things that might help us decide which direction to go. I also think we should consult with our ancestor spirits, those of us who can call forth and contact them to get any further clues. Let's gather as much information as we can and then make a decision about where to go and how to go about it. Okay, so when's the meeting with memory? Well, I've been waiting for Winslow to get back to us. So, 
that is a great time for this to occur. As TJ says that, the red talon of this pack and sept, which seems to be about the same thing, crests the hill near where all of you are sitting and barks a simple order. Come. Dove immediately quirks up and recognizing the order, he just scarfs down the rest of his food. And you watch as he starts to melt down, his body contorting and shrinking and feathers basically exploding out of his skin until he's become a raven, turning to a corvid form out of both respect, but also having had some encounters with Red Talons before, knowing they prefer a more animal-based approach. And he starts to pick up off the ground, fluttering overhead. Come on, come on, let's go! For heading off in the direction. I will put the skin that I was taking off the animal to help make the snare over the fire to smother it, not wanting to leave umbral fires burning out of control in the woodlands. And I will follow, but I will follow in Homid and pick my pick my backpack up and I will follow in Homid. TJ is going to immediately shift to Lupus and he has done so faster than you've ever seen him shift before. You're really good in the hang of that, TJ. He's going to sniff around for where he was for a moment because he these talents are the first talents he's ever had and he doesn't know if they come with him or not when he shifts. And then he starts heading towards the red talent. Okay. Anyone doing anything of note other than following? Uh, shift in Hamid and follow. Now, now it speaks. You're with us, right? Or did you go after looking, looking after that spirit? I'm still with you. I can do that okay, after. Okay meeting with memory i'll shift into lupus also just so you know from a rules perspective talons like fetishes have to be dedicated they are considered to be talismans and they go with you they don't count towards your gnosis limit they're already spiritually powered things so you can have as many talons on you as you want and you don't have to attune them because they're one use things just a rule clarification yeah josh can i ask a a rules clarification on right of talisman dedication, which is always fun, because I, sure. I don't think I made a note of it last time. One set of clothing counts as one dedicated item. Correct. That is correct. Yes. Yeah, okay. Just checking. Yeah, having to dedicate a shirt and pants and a hat and so forth would just be, yeah, one set of clothing from head to toe. Yeah, if it's between hat and pants, the hat stays, obviously. <laughs> of <so>. course. <laughs> All right. So you follow this this red talon that you do not know his name. You know he is he because of obvious reasons. But beyond that, no one is has been willing to say much about him or really say much more than he's a red talon and leave him alone. You are led deep into the cairn. There, this is a, a series of stone structures, of big stone structures that make up the cairn as a whole. And you are wended through them to a space you've never been before that feels different than the rest of the cairn. There's a central stone circle with a pool of water in the center of it that's still water. And when you enter this space, you feel like a shudder kind of pass over you as you've clearly entered a different spiritual place. The other members of the sept are present, so Winslow and Mariah are there. They are both in Hamid form, and they just kind of look at you seriously until you all are 
positioned around the circle. Once we're there, I revert to breed form. And again, just a rules clarification, you can always revert to breed form as a free action. Correct. As a reflexive action, I believe. As a reflexive action. Mm -hmm. So you all are standing there in the various forms that you have chosen. And Winslow says, you have asked to speak to the memory. I have. Such an event is both difficult and rare. Unlike most Cairn patrons, the memory is frequently lost within the stories, within the memories, in what this place represents, the forgotten. The memory gets lost easily. So calling it forth to speak is a task. It's a task we shall all undertake. I ask that you all take a small amount of your spiritual power and place it within this well. Basically, out of character, spend a point of gnosis, put your hand into the, or paw, or beak, into the water, and then the ritual will begin from there. Dove flutters over to the well, perching there, sort of doing that birdie sideways step along the rim, for he bows his head in a very avian form of reverence and begins to evoke a bit of his essence, the Gnostic blessings of Gaia within him, exuding it a very sort of intimate way from his beak and into the well, allowing it to sort of pool there. Edward's going to go up to the well and put his hand on the edge and reach out another hand into the well and dip his fingers into the water, release some of his energy into it, and try to reach out to the memory. I uh, walk up to TJ, just kind of gently put my head on his shoulder and go, come on. And I head over to them and do the same thing. I'll just kind of follow along and watch what they're doing and copy. As TJ in particular does so, you get a flash of one of your first memories as a child, whatever that might be. Uh, It seems like almost like you were reliving it for a moment, but it is a quick flash that seems to come and go and then pass away. Well, that's interesting. That experience we all had, or it is, yeah. Everyone has that brief, like, flash of that memory. Zach or Matt, different, yeah. I'll do the same. Okay, I'm dipping my paw in there, also. Okay, yeah. Spiritual ritual is not my thing. I will be very forthright about it and do exactly almost the opposite of, of, of Dove in that it will be very this is a requirement, this is done rather than the ritualistic style behind it. Okay. Matt, any additional information you think it would be useful to have and how you how are you how are you presenting it or anything like that? I'm gonna shift up to Hamid since we're doing this. And I'm going to wave my arms around reverently, focus my chi, my gnosis down into my hands. I'm gonna donate two points worth in little glowing wisps that go down into the water. And then I'm also going to take a little bit of it and drink it but I'm not taking any gnosis or anything. Okay, that's awesome. Just so tasting you, the water. Yeah, so each of you do this, and then the three elders step forward. Mariah goes first, and she dips both of her hands deep into the well, almost up to her elbows, and you see the gnosis shoot out in red, like beams almost from her hands. And she shifts into Krinos as she is doing this, and you can see... Her rage has increased as she has invested this gnosis into the pool. TJ's going to take a step back at that, maybe two. Winslow steps up and places a gentle hand on her shoulder and she visibly relaxes. 
And then he dips just a, a slight finger into the pool and you see like a pinkish glow of energy come off of him into the pool. And then the final member of their group, the Red Talon, dips his front paw just slightly into the pool. And you see the whole thing shake and vibrate. And then he steps back and he howls, a deep, throaty howl. And then the water churns and spins and explodes up. And out from the water comes a gigantic watery elephant. It is shimmering like a rainbow of colors, like a, almost like a soap bubble. And it's standing there taking up all of the space in the center of this, of the cairn's heart. And it trumpets, and I can't do an elephant trumpet, but it trumpets loudly, shaking the whole space. And then you hear a gentle voice enter each of your minds. It reminds you of something pleasant from your childhood. The smell of a, a pie baking or like a warm hug from a parent. I am the memory. You seek to learn something that has been forgotten. Please ask your questions. Let us remember together what has been forgotten. We seek the legend of Brazen Tusk and of her sword and of the Grandar from whom she hails. You ask us to go deep into the forgotten. We must dig to find what you see. The memory closes its eyes and you all reflexively close your eyes as you feel like it's mental influence. And you all are brought into this mindscape, for lack of a better word. You're surrounded by this, these bubble colors and you see images flash by you, images of werewolves, of people, of various places and things. And suddenly you're brought to a memory. It's of a field with a single large sow, a boar that is digging into the ground. And she appears to be furiously trying to put something into the earth. She's dug down very, very deeply, probably 10, 12 feet. And at the bottom of this pit is a sword. It's a beautiful gold-encrusted, silver-encrusted, jewel-encrusted sword. And it's got runes, Elder Futhark runes, carved into its steel. And then you see her climb out of the hole. And she's furiously refilling it. And then a pack of Garu crest the hill and howl, and they chase her. And the memory brings you throughout the entire hunt. And each time that they nip at her heels, they bring more and more blood. And finally, they bring her down, and they howl in victory. And then one of them shifts, and you see a figure who looks really like TJ standing over her. He has pure black fur in Krinos. But when he shifts into Hamid, like I said, he looks so much like TJ, it's almost like it's him. And he reaches down and breaks her neck. A bubble seems to encapsulate all of you. 
and the memory goes back deeper. And there is a whole series of grandeur standing around in like a forum, like a Greek forum. So it's a big amphitheater and they're all filling it and they're passionately debating one another. And you can't understand exactly what they're saying, the words that they're saying, but you get the sense that they're talking about doing the task the Garal have refused to do. The bears have refused this of the Garu, the request of the Garu. Should we give this gift to them instead? And Brazen Tusk, a young woman at this point, she was an old sow when you saw her in the last vision. She stands up passionately and argues, yes, we should teach them. We should give them. We should trust them. And uh, the bubble comes up again and it goes back even farther. And you see a vision of two great spirits, so great that they're just glittering images in your minds. You get the sense that they are Gaia and Luna and they're standing over a series of boars and they're saying, these ones will be our healers. They will protect us. They will root out the dangerous. They will root out the unclean things. They will ensure we are healthy. And then you are brought back in the bubble again to what seems to be a more recent space. It's hard to define exactly when it is, but it seems closer to the now than the other times you have been in. This forest, it's a thick forest, is where the sword was buried. And there's a highway in the distance, but visible from this forest, from this open glade within the forest. And you get the sense that if you could find this place, the sword would still be there. And then you are brought back to the umbral realm in the Cairnhark. Dove is sort of awakening from this, this vision, and he has prostrated himself in the most efficient way a, a birdie body could. His feathered breast is down to the floor of the cairn. His wings are spread out, almost like he's basking as traditionally in the sun. And he slowly quirks his head up, looking to the memory spirit. And he's trying to find the words, and for once he's actually just sort of stunned. Sorry, a question, Josh, before yeah. I, I launch into anything. Was it day or night during the chase? It was, it was twilight, so entering into and it was day during the highway. Correct. Well, y'all probably saw the same thing that I'd be saying. Um, so the question is, if that was truly a memory and not some sort of spiritual recreation of one, that probably meant that one of TJ's ancestors were there. Either that or it's going all science fiction on us. Let's hope not. Well, TJ, remember, you're not responsible for your ancestors' actions. Nope, but... I'm Absolutely not. You are definitely, definitely not. I think we had that conversation last time. We right. did, but it pops up in our culture a lot. Oh, yeah. All right. So, he, so we all saw the sword, right? Yeah, it was buried in the ground by someone that got, well, you saw what happened. Not going to go over it yeah. again. So we need to find out where that location is. Is it something mm -hmm. we can ask memory specifically? Could you tell us, or at least narrow it down for us, where exactly that was? The memory speaks when you ask that question. You ask things I don't know how to answer. I am everywhere and nowhere that has been forgotten. What is can, one place? Can you tell me about the one that looked like me? He is not forgotten, so I do not know his name. What was it that the bears refused the guru? The gift of life. 
But if if the Grandor wanted to teach us, why did we kill him? You must ask yourself that question. Dove sort of finally lifts his head up. There was no one like me? No one there like me to tell them no? Your eyes were the ones we saw through. We just watched. Your words instigated as much as watched. I look at Dove and I just whisper really quickly just so, she, just so he can hear. It's like, same thing with him. You're not responsible for that. Uh, no, I know. It's just, it hurts, you know. Trust me, I know. Yeah. Okay, so, well, bear in mind, if we start worrying about what the Garu did or did not do in the past or what the Korax did not did not do in the past or what anyone did not do in the past, then what we need to actually do is figure out where that highway is. Bear in mind that had it been, had it been, you know, a little bit later in the night, maybe, you know, celestial navigation might have been a bit more help. Unfortunately, Twilight doesn't really do that. So bear in mind that if this was years ago, one of two things, either they were using moon bridges to go around, possibility, or it's going to be somewhere near the amphitheater and that might be somewhere we can find. But we definitely need to find the location. But a no, highway right. can be in nearly any country. No, you're right, Zach. Speaks, you're a spirit guide. Did, is there anything you picked up that might help us out? I didn't notice anything specific other than when Diggs Deeply mentioned Brazen Tusk was active in Germany. Was there any specific landmarks that perhaps might be more noticeable from Eyes in the Sky in the vision? Hmm. That is a good question. Can you give me a wits and enigmas roll? Okay, that's three wits and two enigmas for a total of five. Give me one moment. And I'm assuming, is it standard difficulty six or something else? Um, eight. Okay. Ah. No, no. Sadly... No, you don't get any sort of extra clues from your kind of rolling it through in your brain, trying to figure out the clues that you have. Gotcha. Were there cars on the highway? Yes. Were they... What was the direction and the side of the road they were traveling on? That is a great question. They appeared to be driving on the right side of the road. They asked the elders who also uh, saw the same vision to see if they picked up anything else that, they, that we missed. Or if they have any insight. Mariah tilts her head up. The cars on the road were European. They are, we're at a distance, but there are distinct differences between American cars and our cars. Thank you, Elder. Which then All puts right. Germany back in the picture. Were there any road signs? None that you could see clearly. They're too far away. Like the highway was a distance away. If if we were able to, say, go to Germany, would we be able to track this place by the scent of the memory that we had? Yes, this was a full sensory memory. So you could potentially use scent to track once you got close enough to it. Well, well guys, we definitely know we're uh, going to Europe. Okay, road trip. So I look at the elders and just ask, do you have any available moon bridges? Windsor, look, there are no moon bridges here. You walk here, or you do not arrive here. Or I suppose he looks at Edward, 
I suppose you ride your motorcycles here occasionally as well. <laughs> but no, there are no moon bridges from here. But what there are are different side passages, memories you can follow. So you can get close, but you will not get to a cairn. But you say that there are memories you can follow. But I'm guessing if the memory itself has just remembered a memory, can the path be created to that memory? Does the memory remember any grander specific cairns in the area? That's a good question. So you've asked those kind of two questions and the elders start kind of talking and then the memory speaks as speaks with wind asks, do you have any specific grandeur? There are two sacred places, two feeding grounds, two, two glades dedicated that I can remember. One is in a place called no. Yes. The name of it is Grafenbeer. There are many lost memories there. Many painful memories. Since we follow lost memories to leave this place, could we follow the memories to Grafenbeer? You could try, but the path is not straight. It would be dangerous. There is much pain on the road to Grafenbeer. There is another place, though. It is, the second is a place, a place dedicated to a mother, to a, a goddess spirit known as Frau Hulla. The Frau Hulla Tyke is its name. I have no other advice on its location. It is remembered too much. But if it's remembered too much, then the memories should be allow should allow us to get there. Is that right? It is safer, but it is fragmented, so you will not be close. Rotten beer is closer to where the sword lies. Well, I think then between us, we need to come to a decision. Do we take the more difficult path, which might mean I say might because who knows <laughs> might be closer to the sword. Or do we take the easier one that is more likely to be far away? Fuller is not going to be patient for much longer. I think we need to make the most direct route. I don't like that, but that's probably the best choice. Let's yeah. say you, Speaks. I'm always in favor of going the safer route. I don't want to end up crazy and screaming in a river of molten silver. Always preferable. That's a thing. Uh, that's low down on my list as well. Uh, I think it comes um, straight after uh, drinking Uzo. So, yeah. <laughs> Don't knock it. I can't do it anymore, but it's not that bad. Edward, what do you think? What's your vote? Considering, because the memory said the route to Groton Beer is fragmented and through many different difficult memories, which means there's a possibility we could lose the track and get lost. And that would cost us time. That's what I'm concerned about as well. Whereas the route to Frauhall Tyke is more clear because it's well remembered, but that puts us further from the goal. So we take the longer path, but the surer path or the shorter path that's less certain. Dove, eyes in the sky, what do you think? I, I had a thought. I could go to one location 
I can speak with my contemporaries, see if anybody is familiar with this word. If it's been remembered, my people might know it. But that would divide you from us. The Korak sort of quirks his head, looking to Edward, clicks his beak, and then sort of raises his wing up and sort of bops his own head before he speaks in the pack link. We are always together. Sounds like a smart idea. Is there a map of these places or no? Who are you asking? I'm asking to the to, to the room. Like, is it is it that hard if we go to the Frau Holly Tech to get to the Grafenwolfer or whatever it's called? But no, you're right. Like, I think we the map we have is in memory, but it's it's running off fragments of everything. That's the, uh, that's the issue. If we go to Frau Holly Tech and call an Uber and and go to Grafenwerk, I mean. But I think the problem, TJ, is that Grafenwerk has been forgotten. So I don't think it's going to, the the Uber driver is going to be able to find it. You can barely find the bar that my friend works in. So I don't think that's going to happen. But I think we're making a decision. And it's a really important decision. But some things people have said, I think, are looking at it the wrong way. There's going to be a lot of things that we don't like doing. There's going to be more things that are going to be difficult. This is probably, choosing between two locations is probably going to be the easiest thing that we're going to be doing. But we can't always decide on the easiest location because it is easy. The fact that Frau Holotech is remembered indicates that it's more likely to have traffic it's more likely to have and by traffic i mean people or spirits but getting to grafenbeer from there in the mundane world might be nigh on impossible if no one in the world remembers where grafenbeer is this might be the only chance to get to grafenbeer i don't think we need to or we should start looking for the easier way of two options because in my experience the easier way of two options is not the right one to do this is gonna get harder even from here is what i'm saying does boar know the way to grafenbeer you want to call on your patron spirit to ask him if he knows where this yeah i'm just gonna close my eyes for a moment and think to boar do you remember the way to grafenbeer if we get lost yeah there are many of my children in that land. That's his answer. That's a yes, then. And, and then I'm going to open my eyes. It's like, Bor may be able to help us should we lose our way on the route to Grafenbeer. But Bor also says many of his children lie that way as well. Not that we weren't going to encounter them anyway, but at least we know they're along the way. I'm inclined to agree with Zach. The only way we're going to find out what became of Grafenbeer is to follow the lost memories to Grafenbeer. The answers of how to get the Grafenbeer may well lead us to the answers we need to restore the Grondar and to recover Brazen Tusk's sword in the first place. We know what became of Brazen Tusk's sword. We have a rough idea of where it is, and Grafenbeer is nearby. Grafenbeer was the cairn that presumably Brazen Tusk was from. We have to follow Brazen Tusk's path, which means taking the route to Grafenbeer. Now, if Dove wants to fly along the, the more remembered way and see if the Koraks have better answers, 
that's a possibility, but then we are denied our overhead and aerial support. Dove sort of clicks his beak, considering Vorhi does the sideways bird walk along the rim of the well, turns and flutters on up, and perches on Zack's shoulder. I will stick with the pack. I will be your eyes. If we are going the hard way, we'll need every person. DJ speaks. Are we agreed? I, I um, guess so. I'm going with the pack. Also, we should point out that just because the other one is remembered, it doesn't mean it's remembered by anything friendly. This is also a wise perspective. So then, I guess we be, we know where our quest begins. Let us begin the route to Grafenbeer. The elders hold up their arms, and the memory seems to collapse in on itself, like an imploding bubble, and it enters back into the well. The red talon growls out. I like the way your pack works together. You aren't stupid hummets. And he stalks away. I just call it, thank you. I'm going to look down at my ankle, mumble a little bit. That's not what you said the other night. Orax is letting out a, a very birdie sort of laugh. <laughs> All right, guys. So we know where we need to go. 